0: There's a powerful incumbent who is facing a challenge. I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Democratic Congressman Earl Blumenauer. The United States is divided into 435 congressional districts, each with a population of about 710,000 people. Each district elects a representative of the United States House of Representatives every two years. Oregon's third congressional district covers most of Multnomah County, including Gresham, Troutdale, and most of Portland east of the Lamont River. Heading into the election is the incumbent Democrat Earl Blumenauer, first elected in 1996, more than two years ago. Albert Lee is challenging him, a dean of Portland Community College's Business and Computing Division, secretary of the Asian Pacific American Network of Oregon's Board of Directors, and he is here right now. Albert Lee, thanks for
1: joining us. Uh, Thank you. I'm going to have to correct you right now. Uh Uh, I am no longer a dean at Portland Community College. It's a position that I had to step down from in order to make this In order to run. Yes. Who are you and why are you running? Well, my name is Albert Lee, and I'm running to represent the people of the 3rd District of Oregon to the United States Congress because I believe, first of all, that democracy requires choice. It's something that we simply haven't had here in over a generation. We face a series of crises here in the district, across the country, and around the world that require bold action now and not just inspirational and aspirational words. I believe in the basic tenets of the party when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think it's time that we uplift some new voices from some other backgrounds, from some other lived perspectives, to represent us here in the most diverse district of the state. And lastly, I think it's time that we end uh, the rule of career politicians, uh, you know, elite, multimillionaire career politicians, and replace them with citizen representatives who know the struggle, who won't take corporate contributions, and who will truly represent and fight for the people.
0: What are the and Dad's here too, and he'll have I I assume questions as well. I mean, I, presumably the question you get most often is, as I look at the national landscape, as I look at the local landscape, if I get frustrated about climate change, if I get frustrated about wealth disparities, if I get frustrated about the war on voting, I, are Blumenauer eight, and Blumenauer I ain't enemy number one. Why do you say that this is a big priority
1: that people need to rethink the representation in Congress from the third district? Certainly, first of all, we simply can't wait. Uh, you know can't wait have, for what we have a series of crises the climate emergency uh, a lot of us are impacted by the lack of living wages and and affordable well, let me, let me let me, let, me, let me let me nudge on that a little bit yep. so they
0: can't wait so what you're in Congress instead of Earl let's say mm-hmm. all
1: right what urgency is felt by a majority of people in Congress that isn't felt now well, I'll tell you what. I, I, I think that there's a difference between being a lip service progressive and actually doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're talking about a climate emergency, you know, Earl says that he's one of the authors of the Green New Deal. At the same time, he holds millions of dollars in fossil fuel stocks. I don't think that those two things are in alignment. Uh, I don't think that you can truly be a champion for this planet and the people. Is
0: there any evidence, what evidence do you have that his ownership, I don't, I don't have that data, I'm happy to look at it,
1: that that Stock ownership is impacting his voting or prioritization habits. Well, I, I'll tell you what: if I had millions of dollars in fossil fuel stocks, I think that would impact the you way. You think it might, it. but we, we don't we don't see. Has he voted bad on anything? Yeah, I mean, he's voted. He's he's got a lot of decent votes for the most part. I mean, look. Don't get me wrong. He is one of the better uh, representatives that we had. But for, for 24 years, there are some bad votes. I mean, yeah. he is our social justice champion that voted for the defense of marriage. He is our social justice champion that voted for sesta Fossa. Now, I know he's gone back and said that defense of marriage was a bad vote. And maybe three or four years down the road, he'll say the same thing about SESTA-FOSTA. I think Defensive Marriage, everybody remembers. Uh, explain the other one. SESTA-FOSTA? I mean, SESTA-FOSTA was the, uh, uh, basically the thing that shut down Craigslist and all the other Internet providers, basically pushing uh, sex work and that, that industry into the underground, into the shadows, and effectively pushing child trafficking underground where we cannot get to those people and save those children.
0: What would people? What do you think excites people most about your race?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I think the same thing that people are excited about, about Bernie Sanders' race. Uh, we are a bunch of working class folks that are fed up with a government that doesn't work for all of us, just those at the very top. Um, you know, I am coming from a working class background. I'm an immigrant and a sixth generation American at the same time. I was born in South Korea where my African American army dad met my Korean mom during the Vietnam War. I grew up in working class St. Louis next door to Ferguson. You know, my mom worked two jobs. She worked as a cook in a nursing home and at a fast food joint at night in order to put my sister and me into Catholic school because our public school system was in shambles. It was truly separate and unequal. And these are the kind of things that people in the wrong zip codes just don't get the benefit for. And when we have a government that doesn't work for all of us, you know, it ultimately shoots all of us in the foot. Uh, We need a government that's going to work for all of us, not just those at the very top
2: one question that pundits always want to know and this relates to a very the threshold problem that any candidate has running the first time is simply to have his or her name known by the voters sir right now i suspect that your name recognition is not high what are your plans to address that problem and where do you see your money coming from because raising awareness of one's name generally costs money
1: it does it does and i've got to tell you right now our candidacy has raised more money than all 23 years of challengers income uh primary challengers to earl's campaign has been. how much is that that's only seventy-one thousand dollars. okay so i mean on one hand because he's impressive. had pretty much token opposition absolutely and i know some people run against him well, like every two years yeah three years and ago he had, like he, had, he had three votes. primary challengers last cycle and they raised 200 bucks yeah,
0: this is the first time that a candidate who's putting together a real campaign and it might be the first time that a candidate putting together a real campaign and you know I don't mean to criticize somebody who might have considered their campaign real but you know if a real campaign means like more than ten grand if a real campaign means like an actual staff an actual office actual you know volunteers doing things uh, more than just a voters pamphlet statement and you know some speaking appearances
1: I, is this the first time that Earls had a real, a real challenger since he uh, took the congressional seat well let me tell you something I think uh, I I think so, because when we launched in July, uh, we made a note uh, about a month before our kickoff. July 14th, Bastille Day, 4 p.m. was our campaign kickoff. About a week before that happened, Earl decided to have a an emergency climate emergency meeting. He flew across the country for this emergency climate meeting at the Sierra Club, effectively drawing all of the media away from us. But we still had 300 people show up to our campaign kickoff. Yeah. Uh, he had 40 people that he called up elected officials and the like. He's updated his website for the first time in 10 years. He's actually gone out knocking on doors for the first time ever. So you think your campaign is at least making him a more engaged Absolutely. resident and he member of Congress? He is engaged. Uh, he is pushing to the left. He is seeing uh, that this campaign is igniting people. He is seeing that people are upset and are, are, are questioning, you know, 24 years. What's a 25th and a 26th year going to do for this district in this country other than give you a silver anniversary? Uh, so as I can think of what a member of congress can
0: do three of the things I from from a district like the 3rd district right, one of the most liberal districts mm-hmm. in the country uh, I can imagine you know three or four things one would be a reliable vote for key progressive and democratic priorities I mean you can you pointed to two but already I mean there's lots of people including the most recent democratic president who whose views evolved on same-sex marriage uh
1: you you would probably well maybe you wouldn't concede how reliable do you think his vote is I think that it is somewhat reliable uh, but again uh, what we're talking because this isn't
0: this, he's not the same kind of politician I forget the dude that AOC beat but he's Joe not, Crowley he,
1: yeah he's not Joe Crowley right? no he's not a Joe Crowley uh, but I'll tell you what uh, there is a, a, a good comparison between New York 14 and Oregon 3. Mm-hmm. These are very safe seats. And with very safe seats, you should have people that are pushing the envelope, that are pushing the party back to its base to the left, not people that are just going to kowtow to Nancy Pelosi and the middle and the establishment. We need people who are going to lead. And that's what you're seeing in New York 14 with AOC, with Ilhan Omar, with Rashida Tlaib. These are folks that are leading in their first two years, not in their 24th. 25th year.
0: And definition of leadership meaning getting on TV and talking about climate? They're is changing it, the agenda. Is it impact? Yeah. Or, or does leadership mean accomplishing legislation that has impact? Both. Both. What's the, what, is the, what is the legislation that has impact that you think that could get or has got that hasn't been gotten yet?
1: Yeah. Uh, Medicare for All, Green New Deal. Or You think two, you can
0: pass Medicare
1: for All? I, I think that we need more people in the squad. I think that we need to uplift some new voices from different perspectives, and right now we've got over 120 progressive candidates who don't take corporate contributions. All over the country. All over the country, who don't take corporate contributions, who have taken on the mantle of AOC, who have taken on the mantle of Bernie Sanders and said, you know what, we need to get back to citizen representation and not this elite cadre of career politicians. And
0: that's the second big argument, is that it gives you a microphone, it gives you a platform, it gives you a place to talk. And if the debate is being uh, shaped by, you know, sort of moderates on one side and far-right folks on the other side, then, the, then that's a conversation to the right of where humanity is and a right and certainly to the right of where truth might be uh and i hear that and i hear that case and somebody's got to be standing up for that somebody's got to be thumping you know thumping progressive values in the world uh what kind of reaction are you getting out there
1: i am getting 100 percent love I, i'll tell you what I, i'll take that back Uh we got a is re- voting for you we, we we got we got we got a reaction yesterday um and i'll tell you what it was an honest reaction we put it up on twitter the other day one of my canvassers um on saturday had knocked on a woman's door, and she said, I'm not going to vote for a black man. Now, here's the thing. I'm happy about that honest uh, assessment, because I'd rather have... Happy might be too strong a word. Well, no, listen, I I appreciate her honesty. I appreciate that she's going to be direct instead of uh, uh, being behind the curtains on it. Uh, But it's an uphill battle. I face some obstacles that your typical politician or candidate doesn't. Uh, but I believe in the I have faith in the people I have faith that they are going to vote in their interest and I think that it's time and I think that people are itching For uh, new representation that's going to truly represent them, Bob, you can
0: offer a historical perspective. As I recall, Earl Blumenauer won this congressional seat, won it from Ron Wyden after Ron Ron Wyden won his U.S. Senate seat, and and Earl was in the position to do it because he had lost the mayor's race to Vera Katz, and they'd had one of the most hotly contested mayors races in a long time. It was an open seat, and Vera went on to serve twelve years. Uh, And Earl, am I getting this history right?
2: Had been he also had been on the city council, right, and on the county commission, and the legislature. He was the youngest uh, member of the legislature. Yes, he 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 was seven years old, and (laughs) a little older than that. But he was in the legislature, and he was the architect that got the voting age lowered down to eighteen in Oregon, leading the way in the country. So he had he had some real head starts in that. So the last time
0: I can right. remember that a Democratic incumbent got beat in that district, of course the district changes, but roughly speaking, let's call it East Portland and extending out to Gresham, etc., uh, was what? Bob Duncan. Bob Duncan getting, getting beat by, by, by Ron Biden. Yep. Now, what were the circumstances? What were the circumstances of that? Because I know, because Albert Lee might be able to say to, you know, some old timer, might be able to say something like Ron Buell, I know, is supporting your candidacy. It's like, oh, yeah, this will be the next time. This will be like the time... Wyden beat Bob Duncan. could Bob Duncan, but explain the circumstances of that.
2: Well, the circumstances were two. First, Ron Wyden had curried an incredible relationship with older Portlandians. He had worked with the with the elderly community. And those are the folks who
0: vote. yeah, as Albert just said, the Gray Panthers. yeah, the
2: Gray Panthers, exactly. And the other thing was that Bob Duncan didn't take him seriously. Until it was too late, and Bob Duncan didn't get out and campaign. And Bob Duncan come- was wrong on Vietnam, and he was wrong on Vietnam. And,
0: Bo- and Bob Duncan was probably a little more like a Joe Crowley; like he was not. I mean, he was at a time when. Well, the, no, uh, you
2: don't think so. No, outside of, outside of his really wrong-headedness on Vietnam, his voting record on other issues was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. So, where
0: do you say? And and I look at this, and you know, a couple of things like, yeah, I, I, are, are you are you Ron Biden? Maybe is Earl Blumenauer, Bob Duncan. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Was I alive then? Uh, 1980. uh, You were around. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Uh, But, you know, can you make the case that Herbalumenauer is Bob Duncan?
1: Yeah, look, uh, you know, Bob was a a representative down in southern Oregon, and then he moved up to uh, the Portland area and became Mm -hmm. a representative for this area as Mm -hmm. well. Um, And he was a popular uh, incumbent. You know, he'd been in for uh, four or six years. Um, and then I think what Ron did was he looked at uh, the frustrations that the people had, and I'm looking at the same thing. Uh, now look, 26 years, 24 years is a long time to be in office. I don't believe that we maybe should he have, got good at it. Uh, look, you know, 40 48 years of being a politician, and I'll tell you what, I would argue that I have more experience than Earl. I have more experience. What, more experience. That's a that's a bold claim. That How many? A, what have you been elected to? So that. Thank you. Uh, so when I say that I have more experience than Earl. He may have legislative experience, but that's it. He's only held one job out of college, and that was to be the president of uh, the assistant to the president of Portland State University, straight out. of You school. don't consider county commission a job? That's an elected position, and so I'm, what I'm what I'm conceding is that he has legislative experience, and he's got well, a the lot. County of
0: commission county commission
1: you got to run a state. He was on city council, means he had to run bureaus. He, he had to be actually in charge of budgets, hire and fire staff. Here's the thing: I think that in comparison to that, having served in the military, having worked in a minimum wage job for a living, having uh, worked in in legal research, having owned my own business, having been a a dean and an educator, I think that these things, in conjunction with my lived experience, and I'm talking about a lived experience that includes growing up in a working class environment, uh, experiencing domestic violence, was led to homelessness. I think the combination of my lived experience and my professional experience bodes well for somebody who wants to represent all of the people of the 3rd District and not just those at the very top.
2: You have mentioned Bernie Sanders several times. Am I getting correctly the impression that you feel yourself somewhat allied to Bernie Sanders, at least what he is trying to do, and to his voters? And if so, do you have any indication that that love is reciprocated with the possibility of any sort of endorsement or the local campaign workers, also your people? What's the relationship, if any?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, I'll tell you what, first of all, In 2015, it was the Sanders campaign that ignited and activated me and my wife. It was the first time that we ever contributed to a politician. It was the first time we knocked on doors. It was the first time we ever made phone calls for a politician. After he lost in the 2016 primary, my wife and I looked at each other and we said, well, what what, what next? And that's when I started getting involved in community. I started getting involved with the Pano, with the Giving Tree, works with affordable housing, low-income housing downtown, with the NAACP, with a wide variety of different things. I got onto to Tri-Math Transit Equity Advisory Committee. I got onto the Citizens Review Committee that works with uh, police oversight. Those are the kind of things that I started to do on a volunteer basis. In addition to that, I got activated with the local party, uh, became a precinct committee person with the Democratic Party, became a central, state central committee delegate, and then also uh, worked with the Democratic Socialists of America. I'm endorsed by the DSA. I'm endorsed by Bernie PDX. On the national level, I'm endorsed by Brand New Congress and Our Revolution, which is a spinoff from Bernie Sanders' campaign.
2: What are you best at?
1: What am I best at? I think I'm best at listening to people, having perspective and empathy, and converting that into action.
0: What's the hardest thing for you? What What are you not as good at?
1: <laughs> these interviews. <laughs> Why not? What's hard about these interviews? I don't know. Uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah
0: so you never know so what 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 does that mean that interviews are hard for you or you never know what you're going to get what is that what is well, I mean, that you mean you can be talking
1: about really deep policy on one hand or you can yeah. be talking about your favorite color what do you want to talk about uh, you know, I want to talk about the struggles that Americans face, yeah. the, the struggles that we face, and the, the general trajectory that I see that well, we're going. Well,
0: I'll say so. If you, if you, let's just concede that what we need to do is significantly broaden access to health care for millions of Americans. So let's just concede that. Let's concede that the challenge of our time is addressing climate change. What is the case? And I guess sort. You made it already. Maybe there's nothing else to say on it, uh, or maybe you made the case that you want to make already. But what is the case that rather than uh, working on and I, I think about Stacey Abrams, for instance, mm-hmm. right? And she has said she wants to. She has been a candidate. She wants to be a candidate again. Heck, she'd like to be a vice president for anybody who yeah. was the Democratic nominee, right? The,
1: maybe not Bernie.
0: What she doing? What What she is doing now is building an organization to address voting rights. Mm-hmm. My Salvo to Bernie Sanders after twenty sixteen election uh, to the work in our revolution was to work at uh, the state and local level, not to try to uh, not as much to focus on uh, safe districts in Congress mm-hmm. or or to try to find leftier people to win in swing districts in Congress, right. But to start winning state legislatures around the country and start changing voting rules around the country, fight against voter suppression, fight in favor of public, uh, publicly funded elections, fight in favor, uh, work in favor of alternative voting systems and build from truly the bottom up, not kind of the second tier and up, but the bottom up, the, the sort of center of human lives out. Uh, why start at Congress? What's the theory of change that suggests, no, 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 wh- the way you do this, you run against candidates like Roe Blumenauer, that legislature crap, that you know voting systems crap, organization building crap, that's not really the thing?
1: Yeah, so uh, thank you. I, I, number one, I think we simply can't wait. I think that we need to have uh, candidates on all levels of, of government Uh, I think for me personally, I'm looking at this because I've got a six-year-old daughter who needs a planet to live on, and I can't believe I have to say that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Needs a planet to live on, and I just don't have confidence in the current representation to actually push and fight for those things. But when you're talking about um, uh, all the different levels, uh, yeah, we we do need to work on all those different levels, but at the same time, part of the problem is the process. You know, We've got a system that's not designed for regular people. Mm -hmm. Running for office is a luxury. You know, for me personally, I, I had to step down from my job. I work a shift job now that pays a quarter of what I used to make uh, in order to do this. And we personally are struggling uh, financially. But uh, the system is not set up to get a diversity of people. You know, quite honestly, we don't need a bunch of lawyers in, in, in Congress or in, in government. We need uh, subject matter experts. We need scientists. We need uh, engineers. We need people that What's your actually, subject matter expertise? You know, for me – life, I mean, living in the struggle of, of uh, being a, a marginalized person in this America.
0: So let's take, let's take that experience, that subject matter expertise, and apply it to a, some piece or pieces of legislation that we're moving through, moving through Congress now, or we're moving through Congress, that if you were there, instead of Earl Blumenauer, might have happened differently.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think about things like, um, you know, the other day I got a little anecdote about food insecurity. You know what? I've experienced food insecurity. Uh, I know people, uh, you know, working at the college, both uh, students and professors, adjunct professors that have experienced food insecurity. In contrast, I understand that um, you know. Um, Earl's had academic conversations about this on a boat while summering in off the coast of Maine. That's the difference. You don't have the perspective, you don't have the real connect urgency. The dot, any, c- connect uh, the
0: dots of that urgency, of that lived experience. And I'm here, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Uh, connect the dots between that urgency. I, I'm reminded of the movie The Gladiator with uh, Russell Crowe, who was talking to the Roman senator who was trying to make sure that Commodus did not uh, take over the take over Rome. And he said, I am not always of the people, but I try to be for the people. Mm-hmm. So you know they they probably didn't have yachts back then, but you know he was sort of the equivalent of the of the sort of fancy guy, but nonetheless wanted to advocate for folks, connect the dots between that lived experience, that prioritization, that urgency, and something that actually happened or could have happened in Congress had you been there and said, Earl.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking at a wide variety of things. I mean, we can, you know, going down to get a photo op at the detention centers mm-hmm. is one thing. You can actually stop the business in Congress and make that a priority. Get uh, Congress to focus on the kids in the chains in, in cages down on the border, uh, the, in, the immigration issues that we have right there. You know, Having a photo off and saying, oh, this is horrible, that's lip service progressivism. You don't really have skin in the game. If you really had skin in the game, you would be doing everything you can with whatever power you have, either through the mechanics of uh, Congress or through the media. I mean, you've got the power of, of, of both, and you can use those to affect change. I don't have that power here now. Nobody knows me. Yeah. And you're hoping that people will. Yes.
2: Dad, other questions? I am blocking on the name of the treaty that, uh, that Earl supported. That Trans-Pacific
1: Partnership? Yes. Yes. What are what your feelings about that? Yeah, I think that was awful. I think uh, what, what Trans-Pacific Partnership and free trade in general is, is code for let's shift our labor overseas where we can reduce our labor input costs so we can increase the profits for the folks at the very top without regard to human rights, without regard to labor rights, and without regard to uh, the workers here in the states. Uh, You know, if you want to have trade, it should be fair trade. It should be trade that takes into consideration all uh, uh, of the aspects and not just the dollar signs for those at the very top.
0: A case that you, I think, a case that you make on your campaign is that if you look at the average wealth of a human being, if you look at the in the United States, if you look at the racial makeup of the United States, if you look at the age of the United States, those things are not reflected very well in Congress. No, right? Congress is whiter, it's older, it's
1: vastly richer. Well, let's just look at Oregon. I mean, we have seven representatives in Oregon, two senators. Five representatives, 100% of them are multimillionaires, 100% of them are white, 100% of them are over the age of 62, 100% of them are property owners. Whereas the makeup of Portland or, or, or Oregon, 44% of us are renters, less than 1.4% of us are millionaires, and a good 75% of us are under the age of 62, and quite frankly, a good quarter of us are not white. Um, You know, you need to have a diversity of representation, and it's not just, um, uh, I'm not just talking about skin color, I'm talking about lived experience. You know, if everybody's cut from the same cloth, you're not going to get the diversity of thoughts, ideas, and uh, opinions that are going to get to the workable solutions that we need. Yeah. Something
0: that I, without any convincing, do appreciate. Probably took me some convincing at some point. <laughs> but the but I do appreciate is the shape of a debate is certainly impacted by the people in the room, mm-hmm. right? If there's actually a colleague, as you're saying, like I've experienced food insecurity, that actually can matter to a colleague when they say, ah, it, it makes it less likely they'll they'll make a joke about it. More likely, actually, think, oh yeah, I got to make sure this bill actually does something about that in the budget, etc. So I think that's. I don't want to cheapen that. I think that's a Real thing, uh, and I also want to see if there are dots we can connect. I know it's a hard thing to do. Uh, same thing with campaign finance reform; it can be hard to point to a precise bill that says, "Oh, that would have been different, but for." But I think we can see them, right? I think that is true for a bunch of our transportation priorities. I think that is is true for timber unity. I think that if it weren't for the dough that Andrew Miller were were pumping into this stuff, it wouldn't. But I, it, okay, it would be a big part of the legislature.
1: I'll give you a good example. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know that Earl likes to talk about. Um, his transportation prowess and how he's brought the streetcars to Portland, and brought hundreds of million dollars uh, to Portland. Uh, but you got to look at the negative externalities to that as well. Uh, you know that that money was brought in. It, 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 the people who profited from it were the Dutch train company that built the cars, uh, the the people who. Um, his pals that got the, the contracts to, to install those trains, and then uh, the people who uh, owned the property near where those routes were. Mm-hmm. Now, what that did was it accelerated gentrification, it accelerated the price of housing, it pushed people further out. And uh, for something that is supposed to be beneficial for the entire district, it benefits those in the central city. It doesn't benefit the people out in Gresham uh, or Malala or Estacada. Not as much.
0: How are you spending your campaign day?
1: You know, um, my campaign day starts off at four in the morning, where I go take my shift job. I go and work at five till 1.30 in the afternoon. After that, I'm. I'm and what's re- your shift job these days, if you don't mind? Sharing? My my shift job. I work for Ruby Reception. Mm-hmm. I'm a virtual receptionist yeah. by day. Yeah, uh, and then after that, so you can so you can support your family, so you can actually make well, it. Well, it's barely it's, it's some, not supporting. It's helping to <laughs> keep keeping some of the costs. Yes, yeah. Uh, after that, I, I spend the time canvassing. Uh, Interviews Uh, Today, I took the day off because I've got four interviews today. Uh, You, uh, Young Turks, a local paper and a local podcast. Thanks for spending this time. No, but uh, I think it's important. And and here's the thing. Uh, You're right. This campaign, this insurgent campaign, needs more people to understand and and to know that it's out there. Um, That that is the uphill battle we have. We have an entrenched incumbent who's afraid to debate who will not give us the time of day he didn't want to give any oxygen i mean like what, what from his
0: perspective unless and, and and shows like ours should say like Herbal out of debate Right, like it ought to say, because otherwise, if nobody says that, there's no incentive for an incumbent
1: to actually stand up and have to defend their record. Right, and here's the thing: um, you know, democracy requires open forums; it requires debates. You know, if there's one name on the ballot, it's not democracy. And too often, throughout this entire two-dec two and a half decades, that has been the case. That's how come on a lot of the uh, presidential cycles, people are voting on the top line for the president and don't bother to vote for the representative because there's no choice. Dad, any last question? I do not. Well, yes,
2: the obvious question: What did we not ask you that we should have?
1: <laughs> uh, what did you not ask me that you should have? Um, I guess uh, you know why. Why? Why would I? Why would I go ahead and risk everything to do this? Uh, because I believe uh, that you know we are going down a treacherous path. We're going down a treacherous path of oligarchy, uh, where we have uh, a ruling elite, much like around the world. Uh, And that is uh, uh, damaging to democracy. Uh, And that can lead us down some pretty unfortunate paths. I mean, we've got the rise of fascism around the world. uh, And I'm sorry, but I'm going to be impacted by that before you will. Um, We have, um, you know, on the converse, if you can. You don't have to apologize. (laughs) I I recognize. Uh, 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 In the opposite direction, I mean, we can go the route of French Revolution. Neither one of those options is a good one. Uh, and I would like to see stability, uh, of social and political stability, uh, and prosperity for the future, for all of us.
0: As some as some friends I respect very much, respect you very highly, are really enthusiastic about your campaign. I really appreciate you spending this time here. Where can people find
1: out more? You can find out more at albertlee2020.com, also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram.
0: Albert Lee, candidate for Congress, you can find out more. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you.